Hello? Hello? Hello, Cliffy? Cliffy, it's Uncle Cliff Cliff. Cliffy? It's podcast time. <laughs> and now, the Birthday Boy Podcast. Full stick of butter. Cliffy, it's Grandma Cliff Cliff. Give me a call at your convenience, okay? Cliff, this is your Uncle Cliff Cliff. Here's the host of Birthday Boy Podcast, the one and the only Johnny Boy. <laughs> this special Halloween edition of the Birthday Boy Podcast brought to you by Womack Family Halloween Supplies, Chains, Whips, Cat of Nine Tails, Candy Corn Shaped Butt Plugs. Womack Family Halloween Supply has it all. Oh boy. It's that time of year. <laughs> That's right. It's a very special Halloween edition of the Birthday Boy Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I think you'll find this week's edition to be particularly spooky. <laughs> In fact, we're going to start out with something very spooky. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's time to talk about my NFL football picks from last week. Oh, yeah. Let's turn this down a little. It's so loud. Yeah. It's time for football talk. You know you love football talk, even though you say you don't. All right, let's get <laughs> let's get right into it, real quick. I, hey, I was nine and five. I was yeah, right. I went nine and five last week. I picked Minnesota. I was right about that. Uh, they beat Washington. I picked Seattle over Atlanta. Correct. I knew I would regret picking Buffalo. I fucking knew it. I fucking never pick Buffalo. Even when they're good, they're not good. Give me a break. Remember they went like 5-0 and one time? 6-0? and And did they make the playoffs? No. Or maybe they did. But they still stunk. That was a bad move. Alright, so Philly wins and I lose. But, uh, let's see. Chicago. Yeah, I was wrong on that one. Chargers win. Okay, fine. Detroit beats the Giants. I was right about that one. Tennessee and Tampa Bay. Oh, well, it came down to a right to the wire. Tennessee and Tampa Bay. Oh, fuck them. Yeah, he went, he could go all the way. All right, so Tennessee won. Who gives a shit? They're both terrible. Indy wins over Denver. I was right about that. I was right about Los Angeles Rams beating the Cincinnati Bengals. And I knew, I knew that I would regret picking Carolina. Stupid. It was stupid. They lost. Of course they lost. Uh, San Francisco wins that one. I was wrong. New Orleans, they win against Arizona. No shock there. I was right. Jacksonville beats the Jets. No surprise there. I was right. New England, of course. New England wins their game uh, against Cleveland. Uh, 
Baker. Butcher Baker, Candlestick Mayfield Maker. Passes the Odell Bendit like Beckham Jr. Ah, yeah. Back, 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 back. Whoop. Uh, yeah, they stink. They lost. I was right. Oakland. Yeah, they lost to Houston. I should have. That, that was an idiotic pick. That was one of those picks where I actually, the whole time I was like, yes, I'm right. Houston won. And then I went back and looked at my picks. I was like, ah, oh, shit. I picked Oakland. That was dumb. Green Bay beats Kansas City. I was correct about that one. And the Steelers, of course, they won their game against the Dolphins, who are terrible. All right. So I went 9-5 on those, on those particular picks. Now, let's talk this week's matchups. Halloween night, Thursday, October 31st, San Francisco at Arizona. San Francisco will win that game. The question is, 9.30 a.m., Wembley Stadium on Sunday, Houston versus Jacksonville. Houston's going to win. I, I'm not, that's not even going Buffalo, Washington at Buffalo. Washington's so bad. Buffalo wins. I'll regret that too, I'm sure. Minnesota at Kansas City. Hmm. Ooh, boy. Oh, man. That's tough. Kansas City. They beat Detroit. They lost to Green Bay. At Detroit, they lost. They won. They're home against Minnesota. Oh, man. Let me come back to that one. Goddamn. Jets at Dolphins. Oh, my God. You know what? Here's an upset. That's not an upset. The only thing upsetting is having to watch either of these two teams play football, especially against each other. Miami's gonna win. They're they're actually gonna they're actually gonna win. I'm sure that's wrong. Oh, Miami's not gonna win. They're so bad. The Jets are terrible, but they're not Miami. Jets are gonna win. Uh, fuck it. Kansas. Wah. Yeah, Minnesota. Sorry, Kansas City. So, all right. So I've got San Francisco, I've got Houston, I've got Buffalo, I've got Minnesota, I've got the New York Jets. As I waver back and forth, Chicago at Philadelphia. Oh, man, these are tough. Chicago beat Green Bay in Green Bay, but they lost to Detroit. Or Philadelphia, not Chicago. Uh, Philadelphia wins. Oh, stupid, stupid pick, but Philadelphia's going to win. Indy at Pittsburgh, Indy's going to win. Tennessee at Carolina, Carolina wins that one. Detroit at Oakland. Uh, boy, oh boy. Oakland. I'll go with Oakland. I'm not writing these down. I'm probably going to forget what I picked. Tampa Bay at Seattle Seahawks. Who will emerge victorious? It's the Seahawks. Pete Carroll and his Seahawks. Cliffy, I want to tell you that I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos to win. Over the Browns at Denver, yeah! Green Bay at Los Angeles. Chargers. Green Bay, please. New England at Baltimore. Ooh, that's exciting. A Sunday night game, I think. Absolutely New England. Come on. Uh, Dallas at New York. That's my upset pick of the week. What? Yes, that's right. The Giants beat the Cowboys on Monday Night Football. And those are my NFL Picks of the Week. Yeah! Oh, man. 
See, that was... We're only eight minutes into the podcast. Three of those minutes are the fucking introduction. Oh, wait, no, I clipped it a little bit, so whatever. So I thought I've spent like five minutes on football. You can handle that. You can handle five minutes of football every week. And then you've got me singing. What's not to love about that? Denver Broncos. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I don't... So, you know, in October, try to watch, you know, as many scary movies and shows and things as possible. You know, it's fun. It's Halloween. Just like when it gets to be November, December, you watch Christmas shit. And then that comes to an end in January, and you say, thank God I have my life back. I can watch shit that I actually want to watch instead of these same fucking Christmas movies every year, even though I love them. Home Alone 1 and 2 never never has and never will get old, uh, among others. The usual shit. Scrooged. What's the other one? Chevy Chase, you know, vacation, Christmas vacation. Yes, that's good stuff. Same with Halloween movies. I like to watch, you know, scary shit that I've seen before, stuff that I haven't seen. The the missus and I just finished Marianne this past week on Netflix. That was good. That was pretty good. It got the nod from the <clears throat> master of horror, Stephen King, as well. So you know if the <clears throat> master of horror, Stephen King, likes it, it must be good. Because he is... <clears throat> The master of horror. You know, like It Chapter 2, with all that cool CG and very little else happening, you know. That's you can't you can't write that kind of shit without being the master of horror. Like, you know, uh starts out with a hate crime and then the clown eats the guy and like that's just You're gonna be you're gonna be called the master of horror if you're writing shit like that. It's just so fucking good. And then when you make it into a movie and they add all the CG, all the CGI ghouls and clowns and bullshit, I mean, that's... And it's three hours long. Like, you know you're not the master of horror if you're making scary movies that are A, scary, and B, take place within a reasonable amount of time, like, say, 90 minutes. That's not master of horror stuff. Three-hour clown movies with tons of CG, that's big-time master of horror. Like, you have mastered horror. And like stuff about evil dogs and cars. That's that's master of horror territory. <laughs> oh man. Hey, look, I fucking I love The Shining. I love I love the uh, the you know the, the Kubrick Shining, which the master of horror hates that one, which makes sense because that's like really really good. So I can see why he would hate it. Um, but I also love the 1997 Shining, which is like a million hours long. Maybe that's it. The original Shining is what, like two hours long? Like you can barely—that's that's the blink of an eye. When you're the master of horror, you can barely you can barely tell a good scary story in two hours. You need like eight hours. So that the televised eight-hour miniseries of The Shining from 1997 is—that's the one that uh, that the master of horror really likes because it's you know they they decided not to cut a single word or page out of the book when they made that movie. But I love those, and I love Shawshank, and I really liked Misery, as I think I've, I've stated in previous episodes of the podcast. And then the rest of it, it's like, you know, well, in this one, it's about a sp- <laughs> an evil dog. <laughs> oh, but this one's about an evil car. 
when this one's about an evil clown. Oh, man. Yeah, not a fan. I love the guy himself. Seems like the coolest dude on the planet. He seems like such a cool dude. Such a likable guy. Smart guy, nice guy. But, boy, there's a lot of... There's a lot of stuff that makes me scratch my head and say, this isn't very Master of Horror-ish. In fact, this might be downright dumb. But there's also, in my old age, in my advanced age, uh, yeah, I don't... Uh, stuff that I found scary... You know, and shit's... You know, if you like something, there's, there's a better chance you're going to like something when you see it in the theater, and then you watch it again later, and you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? This is a piece of shit. Uh, or, or you know, maybe the first time you see it, even not in the theater, you think, oh, that's pretty good. Or, you, you know, your opinions change. You watch it a couple times and you say, eh, maybe this wasn't so hot. And the the ring was on TV the other day. Oh, my God. I remember seeing that in the theater and I couldn't sleep for months because I thought, surely I'm going to wake up and there's going to be uh, a girl with a white gown and wet black hair over her face and a pasty complexion, chalky face with jet black hair uh, just standing at the foot of my bed and as soon as I open my eyes um, that's it, that's the end of me and that's just, yeah, that scared the shit out of me, the movie just, yeah, it creeped me the fuck out that ending, you know, that final scene where the ring, spoilers where, you know, she comes out of the well and through the TV and she kills the guy just by, like, staring at him. Like, she, I guess she literally scared him to death. I guess that's the that's the power of the ghost in the ring. The little girl. Uh, but, boy, it was on TV the other day. Not only did we watch it, we watched it with the kids. And the kids were, like, picking it apart. They're just, they're like, so what's this? This is, like, so the, the ghost made a VHS tape? Like, made of, you know... It basically made like a student film. That's what this video looks like in the ring. And, you know, people watch. So the ring is, people watch, there's this videotape. You watch the videotape. It's like, whatever, a minute long, 30 seconds, whatever it is. And then as soon as you're done, and it looks, yeah, it looks like films that uh, that we made when I was in film school. It's, it's very, you know, artsy, avant-garde, just, you know, a bunch of shit happening in black and white. And, uh... And some time lapse stuff, and all the kinds of shit that I was doing when I was when I was in when I was in quote film school, uh, and uh, and then as soon as people watch the tape, then they get a phone call, and then they answer the phone, and the voice on the end of the phone says, "In seven days," and then seven days later they die, as they you know experience you know increasingly creepy things happening to them throughout the seven days, and they start to go a little crazy, and then they're literally scared to death. When the when the ring girl comes out of the well and stares at them, and that's it. And then of course she walks creepily with the shoulders and the joints and the you know popping and locking, popping and locking like like a ghost would do. Uh, and it's you know that's that's pretty creepy. But the kids are watching and they're like, so so this kid this kid got thrown into a well and she died. And then when she died, her ghost lived in the well and somehow she got a bunch of cameras and made a video, made a film, put it on a VHS tape, and then just left the VHS tape in a cabin, hoping that people would find the VHS tape. And so she just patiently sat in the well waiting for people to watch the VHS tape. And then when they watched the tape, then she called them on the phone to say, hey, hello, uh, just letting you know in seven days you're, you're dead. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to get you. And I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah. 
yeah, you know. And they're like, but how did she make the? How did she make a movie from the well? I'm like, I, she's a ghost. She has ghost powers. She can come and kill people. Like she doesn't. She's not in the well all the time. You know, maybe she went to a, you know, maybe she went to Best Buy or back in 2002. You know, maybe Circuit City. Maybe even Rex was still around back then. Maybe nobody. Maybe it's Leechmere. Maybe she went to Leechmere. Maybe this was set in the early, the nineties. <laughs> nobody beats the Wiz. Maybe there was a little. A soaking wet water ghost with chalky complexion and hair over her face that went into Nobody Beats the Wiz and got a really good deal on a camcorder and some blank Fuji tapes, a couple of VCRs, and a, and a phone that she could bring into that well with her. And she, you know, she made she toiled away in the wee hours and made a made a nice little student film and then used it to kill people. That's not so crazy. That's not so crazy. So the kids are just like, so she made a tape and then in the hopes that people would watch the tape. And then when they watch the tape, she's just patiently waiting by the phone in the well to call the people. What if they, what if they watched the tape in a room that didn't have a, a, a phone? They put, they put the thing on the VCR, like how, how all these people just have phones right next to the tape. I said, well, back in those days, people had phones, you know, they, they had phones. It's like your cell phone now. You don't, you don't go anywhere without your cell phone. It's not unreasonable to think that they were watching a video near, near a phone. Like okay, so but she she just calls them, like why doesn't she just kill them? If she can if she can make a tape, if she can make a movie from a well and then call people on the phone from the well, why and then wait seven days? Like she's all she's doing is waiting in this well for people to watch the tape and then they watch the tape and she just waits even longer to go get them and kill them. Like why does she has these ghost powers? Why not just like if you can leave the well to kill people, why don't you just leave the well and just kill everybody? If it's so much fun, you sit around in the well. I mean, I know you you get you get time to kill, but if you can get out of the well, why sit in the well? Why not go out and you know see the world and kill everybody and just walk around walk around shopping malls with your chalky face and your wet hair, just scaring the shit every, out of everybody. Just a mask, a mass spooking at a at a Wendy's or an Arby's <laughs> or something. Uh, so I said, you know what? I don't know. She has ghost powers, guys. I didn't, you know, let's not overthink this. It's a movie about a, a chalky, wet, dead girl who comes through a fucking television screen and, and kills people with their scary face, with her scary face. Like, she's like, yeah, but it just doesn't, it's just stupid. I'm like, she has ghost powers. It's not stupid. Ghost powers don't have rules. The rules are you're, you're an evil ghost and you can do anything. And they're like, so she chose to do anything, and her anything was, I'm going to go make a movie and then leave it in a cabin for years and years, hoping that somebody discovers it and watches it in the cabin, and then I'm going to call them and tell them they're going to die in seven days? And then, like, you know, what if they're not around a TV? When that, like, she, she can only crawl through the TV and kill people? Because in the movie, it's like the TV goes, you know, the TV turns on and she crawls, and then a few seconds later, she crawls through the TV. I'm like, yeah, what... You know why not? Why not go on a boat in the middle of the ocean? She's gonna with no TV, with no screen, with no nothing. Just take a take a rowboat or something <laughs> out in the middle of the ocean and just you know just wait it out. Like what? What is the like the ghost? You know, she can swim too, and maybe she can. She's been in a well. She was drowned, died in a well. Anyway, the kids thought it was like the lamest thing. Even the the part where the, she comes through the TV, which always scared the shit out of me. They're like, nah, that's pretty stupid. That looks really cheesy. And then I watched it with him, and I said, yeah, you're kind of right. It's it's really not a very good movie. It's really just this, it's just kind of a, kind of a dark, uh, you know, 
a thriller. It's not even a thriller. It's almost like a detective movie where there's very little happening. And like most most of these scary movies, the scary stuff comes in your own mind. It's like you're anticipating. You don't know what's going to happen. What's lurking around the corner? You know, it's this building the tension and all that stuff, which the ring does very well. But it's yeah, it's really it's pretty it's pretty crappy to watch now. Uh, yeah, then then I led to a Facebook discussion with some friends about that movie and and about uh, and the kids laughed at The Shining too <laughs> because they kept laughing at Danny. Daddy's not here, Mrs. Torrance. Red Rob, Red Rob, Red Rob, and that you know that creeps me out when I was younger. But the kids are just cracking up. They're like, he sounds stupid. <laughs> and then they were both walking around. The youngest in particular was just going around saying Red Rob, Red Rob, and I'm like, you know that's murder, right? It's murder spelled backwards. And she's like, don't care, Red Rob, Red Rob. <laughs> okay, well, the master of horror has done it again. <laughs> Terrified another small child. In no way, shape, or form. And they're just laughing. They're laughing at the little kid running around in a snow maze. A hedge maze in the snow. They're laughing at crazy Shelley Duvall with a knife. Just looking like an idiot. <laughs> like, like a clueless dope. <laughs> Which is... That's kind of her M.O., I think. And uh, and then, uh, yeah, just... They, they've found nothing scary about that, nothing scary about the ring. Then we watched Paranormal Activity because we were talking about that on Facebook. And a friend, and Rebecca, my friend Rebecca, my bestie, she said, um, uh, you know, she never really was a fan of the ring. Same with all the Paranormal Activity movies. My buddy Alex said those movies are trash, which I think that's a little harsh. They're not good, but I wouldn't call them trash. I enjoyed, I enjoyed those Paranormal movies when I saw them. It was, you know... It was fun. You know, the found footage thing really kind of kind of started and, and died with Blair Witch, with the Blair Witch Project. Now, that was fucking... What a... What a cult... Man, I can... There's a, there's a lot of big disappointments in life when you go to movies and something's hyped up and it's like, oh my God, we gotta... Th-. And then you go and it's just like, what? What happened? It's... Where's the... Where's the witch? It's, it's called the Blair Witch where is is the witch going to show up on these home movies that are definitely real and were definitely found in the woods? And that was part of it too. I'm ni- 19 years old when the Blair Witch Project comes out, and uh, my buddy Keith is uh, that's K E E F Keith is uh, you know emailing me and all this stuff and telling you know or, or I no it was I am I am instant A I M A O L instant messenger and he's he's pinging me and he's saying like you know he's sending me these like links. To the site. Oh my God! What? This is re- these kids, these three teens, whatever they are, college kids, went in the woods with a bunch of camping equipment and video cameras, and they went to find this the supposed witch, and they never return. And this is actual footage from their cameras. They they've put this together. They've edited it together, and they're gonna put it in theaters for us to pay and eat, get nachos and popcorn and watch these actual kids disappear into the woods and probably die and never come back. This is awesome. Oh my God! It's a real story. It's a real witch. So the, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> so that that definitely had me suckered for uh, for a few weeks, and then uh, you know, and then and then of course it's it's revealed because you know, stupid idiot me at the age of nineteen, I was like, oh, this is definitely real. This is de- <laughs> this is we're all thinking it's real, and we went to a completely sold out theater and saw that movie. 100% sold out and you know jam packed 
and uh, we sat and watched the Blair Witch Project, and it's you know there's lots of you know kind of fun little moments where there's oh what's outside the tent? What's outside the tent? Is nothing at all. Nothing's outside the tent at all. And it was yeah, it was a whole lot of nothing really happening. And uh, but but yeah, you just want what is what's gonna happen? When is the witch gonna show up? What's gonna happen to these? They obviously all get lost in the woods somewhere. What is going to happen to them? And then you know you get to the you get to the the big finale and like nothing, nothing really happens, nothing at all, absolutely nothing at all. And then you just kind of scratch your head and say, okay, well that was that. This has been a great year for movies. First we had the Phantom Menace, then we had the Blair Witch Project. 1999 was a pretty good year for movies, if I remember right. There were a lot of other things that were really good. Just, just not those. Those were two, two of the biggest letdowns in movies happened within months of each other. And the first one was the Phantom Menace, and then the next one was Blair Witch, or vice versa, whatever. I feel like Blair Witch came out later. But that was like the first oh found footage home movies that the that the movie studio has graciously put together and they're graciously going to charge us full admission and concession stands will be open so we can watch the real stories of these real people getting killed in the woods. Although we're not going to see any of that and we're not going to see the, the the ghoul or the witch or the demon that is haunting them. And it's the same with these paranormal movies. You know, it's... I remember you know, the first one. I liked the first one. We saw it probably in the theater. And it really, you know, scared the shit out of me. Like, oh, oh, it was real footage. I mean, obviously, it wasn't. Nobody, nobody thought it was real footage. But, you know, I let myself, uh, you know, I let myself get uh, immersed into the whole thing and think like, wow, I, you know, I try to pretend like these are real people. And it's nice when it's unknown actors, and that that, that helps sell it. And uh, and then you're watching and like, oh my god, there's this, the the chandelier is swinging and there's bumps and you know things banging around in the house. And uh, and then you yeah we watched that the other night and I watched it with the kids too, and they just they couldn't be bothered they just you know they were watching, and there was nothing remotely scary and I'm actually sitting there watching Paranormal Activity, and I'm starting like I can feel my heart starting to pump a little faster because I'm like oh oh my god even though I know exactly what's gonna happen because I've seen it before, <clears throat> but I'm still thinking like oh what's What's gonna happen? Because I, I kind of forgot some of this stuff. I'm like, what's happening right now? What's where's the ghost? The ghost is gonna get them, and it's this is oh my god! What 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 was that bump? Why are the lights turning on? Why is the door closing by itself? Oh my god! And the kids are just like, wow, really? This is this is the kind of shit that that scares you? No, you're lame. <laughs> and uh, boy, the I think those paranormal movies. I've only seen. I've seen the first one probably a few times. This was maybe the third time that I've seen the the first one. The second and third and fourth, and I feel like... I don't know how many there are. There's like at least four, maybe five, maybe six. I don't even know. Maybe they still make them, and I just don't even see them. But uh, we saw at least four of those things. Because then there's the sequel, and it's the girl's sister. And then there's the third one, which is like the two sisters back in the 80s. And then there's the fourth one. I feel like was it like it's like an apartment complex or something in a Los Angeles or it's I, I don't really remember. And then one of them ends at this weird like cult compound out in the woods. And and the first one's nice because it's like okay the house is haunted and the guy buys a bunch of cameras and night vision and all this stuff all this equipment 
to set up at night so that he can record any paranormal activity. And it's like, okay, that's an easy setup. That's an easy premise. They're, they're recording all this shit so they can find, and now we're, you know, and he's just taping everything. He's just some douchebag day trader who just has a shit ton of money and he's got time to kill and he's swimming in his little pool and he's recording movies and, and ghosts and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, well, that's believable because it's really, there's there's almost like just, you know, the one the one angle, which is them, you know, half of the movie is just them <laughs> sleeping with the thing fast forwarding. And then occasionally you see a door swing shut and lights turn on and some weird, you know, and then the girl gets up and stands at the foot of the bed for an hour and a half, you know, creepy shit like that. That's good. And the night vision makes it look extra creepy. And that's nice. No, you know, because CGI uh, sucks and CGI uh, has made uh, zero things scary ever. It's 0% of the time is the amount of times that CGI has proven to be a, a nice tool to use to scare people. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple things, but anyway. Uh, so it's just nice. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just like really like watching a home movie and, you know, scary shit's happening and, and all this. And, uh, and then the second one and the third. And then it's like, oh, they're really... Okay, the second one, the guy sets up, I think, a bunch of cameras because he has a baby. And so they have like different, they have security cameras throughout the house. So it's like, all right, that's, that's believable. And then the third one's like the guy, the guy just buy, he's like a, I feel like he's a wedding DJ or something. And he just has a video camera and he just really likes videotaping everything at all times. And it just gets, it, it gets harder and harder to believe the setup, to believe the premise of like, why are you, nobody would be videotaping all of this at all times. You know, it'd be it'd be more believable if they now if they had like a GoPro or a cell phone or something. But you know, having this one set in the '80s where the guy is recording on a VHS camera, you know, 24 hours a day, it's like that that doesn't make any sense. So those those movies are yeah they don't they do not hold up. Um, yeah, but I've I saw some of the Banana Splits movie that was on the other day on Sci-Fi, the one that just came out. Which is like a fun... I think the trailer is all you need to really watch. It's like, oh, okay. These creepy-looking childhood things. Uh, the actual banana splits that were, a, you know, a kid's show. They made a movie where they're, you know, they're murderous, animatronic, bullshit characters that come to life. That's kind of cool. And that's all you need. Because I, I watched some of the movie and it was it seemed abysmal. Yeah, the Halloween, the first Halloween movie. Love it. Exorcists. I mean, come on, that's that's good shit. Those the Hereditary movie. I love that movie. I really liked Midsummer. I didn't like it as much as Hereditary, but I just I love I love the pacing. I love the creepy atmosphere. All of that. All the just it's just great. It's well done. I feel like it's well done. I liked The Witch, and I just saw a movie called Lighthouse. By the director of The Witch, and it's Willem Dafoe and uh, the vampire guy uh, Pattinson, Robert Pattinson, and it's just these two guys stuck out in the middle of the ocean on, a, on an island, on a lighthouse somewhere off the coast of New England, probably northern Maine, somewhere off the coast. Because uh, Pattinson, at some point, he's it seems like he has an Irish accent, and then there's other times where he almost sounds like he has an Australian accent. And then he has a New England, like a Maine accent, like a very, a very distinct sort of Maine accent. And uh, so I think at some point maybe he finally figured figured out how to do the Maine accent because he's talking about like how he's, you know, 
going going up to uh, to uh, Nova Scotia, out in the forest, uh, Hudson Bay. <laughs> like what? What? Like ten minutes ago, he was like, "And I come out here to to, to work on the lighthouse, <laughs> and I keep to myself, and I'm not gonna have my drink." Like, what is the accent? Uh, but that's really that's the only complaint I would have. It's not even a complaint. It makes it. I like when. You know, look at me. My accents are terrible. Right? So, if I had to do that, I'd I'd have probably twelve different accents in the first scene alone. Eh, <laughs> eh. Hey, I'm from Portland, Maine, man. I come here to work on the lighthouse. I've been uh, cutting timber up there in the forest, <laughs> up in Canada, man. You know, I'm a real New Englander in the late 1800s, man. Oi, that's what I'm saying. I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still the same guy, and here's an accent too. I don't even know. That would be me if I was in that movie. Nobody would ever know. That would be a fun movie to just make it where the accents change, and there's no reason given. It's just like they're deliberately just every every few scenes, it's a new accent. Uh, so yeah, but uh, but then oh man, Willem Dafoe just kind of like when Heath Le- Heath Ledger did the Joker in that Batman movie, and I didn't give two fucks about what was happening. If Heath Ledger wasn't on the screen, I didn't care. Did not care. Just get Joker back on this screen. And uh, that's kind of what it's like in this movie. When Willem Dafoe... And he talks... Er, he talks like this too, baby. I be saying a seaman's prayer before dinner, says I. And you be taking orders from me. Is that clear? And then Pattinson's like, yes, Captain. Yes, say, aye, Captain. Not yes, Captain. Is that clear? Aye, Captain. Yeah, have a drink. Here, matey. And he talks like the sea captain from The Simpsons. And even at one point, Robert Pattinson's character points out, he's like, you sound like a, you sound like a parody of yourself. Like, in the movie, he's saying, even at that time, your accent sounds stupid. But Willem Dafoe has, like, the, between the facial expressions and the accent and these monologues that he gives... And just the things that he says, and the way that he talks, and the beard, and the clothing, the everything about it. I fucking love this movie. And it's like they're kind of like hyping it up as sort of a horror film, which it's eh, no, it's not a horror film. It's just I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I mean, there's some there's some parts that are like, oh, what's gonna happen here? It's you know, it's a thriller in some ways because you know you don't you know shit's building to something. Something's something bad's gonna happen. Or so you think, and then you you kind of wait to see everything unfold because these poor bastards are stuck on an island, uh, tending to this lighthouse, and uh, they're not particularly fond of each other. But then sometimes they are. But then they kind of it's it's just all kinds of craziness. And there were a couple scenes where it was like you know a little a little frightening, I guess, but more more bizarre than anything. And I love that movie. I could go see that again right now. <laughs> and it was. I think it was under two hours. I think it was just under two hours, which is nice. Because you can tell a whole story about two guys living for weeks and weeks and weeks in a lighthouse in less than two hours. And yet, the master of horror needs three hours to tell us the story about the second half of his book. Not even the whole book. The first half of the book got like two hours or two and a half hours. And then the second half of the book gets three hours. About a fucking CGI clown. But yet the lighthouse told its story in under two hours, and I was I was hooked on every word. Arr, you be hooked. Arr, matey. You be hooked like 
like a salmon on this lighthouse movie that I did with my friend, the guy from the Twilight movies, Arr, says I. And it's just great. Oh, my God. And it's the same, like I said, it's the same guy who directed The Witch. And The Witch, yeah, The Witch is the same thing. It's like, there's no, I mean, there's some scary scenes, but it's really just like the atmosphere and the setting and the color and just everything about it. And you're just, you know, things happen that are horrible and you're just waiting to see, like, much like the lighthouse and these guys are out in a, in the witch they're out in a you know a, a log cabin that they built because they they left their community to go you know get out and so they're just out in the wilderness just them there's nothing no civilization for miles and miles and miles so that's like yeah that whole isolation thing it's terrifying what if you were you know out in a cabin in the woods and there was in the 1800s and there's nothing or what 1400s whatever it is 1600s whatever <clears throat> Any of those times, quite frankly, and uh, and uh, and and what if you're in a lighthouse in the 1800s and there's no no boats coming for you? That's you know that's great. It's just great, and the, everything about it I enjoyed. Uh, the third act of Lighthouse, you know, the first two acts I really really enjoyed. The third, I, you know, what could I do to make it better? I don't know. I just I have to watch it again and just know now that I know what happens. It's like just enjoy the ride, which is what which is what I was doing. But I, I guess I expected a little more to happen at the end of the lighthouse. Um, but that's I, it. Didn't stop it from being a fucking. It would be two thumbs up if I were uh, you know one of those assholes, Saskel and Yalbert from back in the day. Rest in peace. Two thumbs up from the grave on this spooky edition of the Birthday Boy Podcast. Siskel and Ebert reanimated from beyond the grave. To give it two zombie thumbs up to the lighthouse. Arr, says I. I hey, you be coming to the lighthouse. We up there in 1800 New England off the coast of Maine, man. We off the coast of Maine, man, in New England. This is my, this is my Irish accent. <laughs> oh, what else? Who cares? Who cares what movies I, those are the movies. Texas Chainsaw. What a, what a classic. Oh my God. Yeah, The Exorcist, Texas Chainsaw, those are great. The Shining, come on. Uh, Freddy and Jason, I'm not so not so nuts about those. Watched them, and you know, every time I catch them, I'm just like, boy, this is this is really cheesy. I have been enjoying the slasher season of um, Amer- uh, American Horror Story. I have been quite quite enjoying that. I always enjoy the seasons of those shows, even the ones that, that aren't terribly critically uh, well-received. The only one I didn't really watch was the Roanoke one. That seemed terrible, but I like the I even like the hotel one that I, seemingly everybody hated, the hotel season of American Horror Story. But I like that one. It was good. It was good. Um, yeah, I don't know. what What's the point of this? I was just talking about uh, horror movies. Cabin Fever. <laughs> That's I love watching Cabin Fever. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's so idiotic. And there's so many, there's so many holes in it. And you're just watching, like, why didn't they just do this? Why didn't they just do that? Why the fuck are they all so stupid? On top of the fact that, like, these five friends go into the woods and they don't seem like they're even remotely friends. They don't even seem like they know each other, let alone are friends. Like, why is, uh, why is Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World with these guys who clearly hate him and he clearly hates them? Like, well, they're and these are the buddies that they saw, like let's go let's go party in the woods and stay in a cabin for a few days even though we hate each other 
You're really setting yourself self up for disappointment. But God damn it, I love Cabin in the Woods. That movie just it's so it's so insane and stupid. But uh you know, I like the and I like the classic, uh, you know, the universal monsters all you know, Dracula, Wolfman, all that bullshit. It's it's just fun. Uh I I love uh 1992 Gary Oldman Dracula. It's one of my favorite movies. Not just horror movie. I don't really consider it to be a horror movie. It's not super scary, but um, but yeah, I mean it's Dracula, so I guess it's a horror movie. Uh, but I just I love that. Even the even the stupid butt haircut that he has at the beginning of the movie, uh, and you know Keanu Reeves. I'm an Englishman. <laughs> Whoa, <laughs> Jonathan Harker. Whoa. Uh, but that's yeah, Francis Ford Coppola. That's such a good movie. To me, it's, it's one of my faves. One of my faves. The Cabinet of Dr. Calig- Caligari. That's Caligari. Calamari. The Cabinet of Dac- Dr. Calamari. <laughs> um, is that the name of it? Dr. Caligari. Yeah, that's what I said. The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. A cabinet of Dr. Calamari. Oy, that sounds like a delightful meal to have in the lighthouse for several weeks. Arr, with me lobster. Don't you like me lobster? Don't you like me lobster? I made it for ye. Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, if you've seen it, never seen it. That's a silent film from way back in the day. And uh, the, the somnambulist... Somnambulist is the, uh, you know, he's he's being controlled in his sleep, and he does all these things, and and he's just a creepy looking dude. You know the makeup and everything. Yeah, nineteen twenty. And I yeah, whenever I see this, whenever I see this somnambulist, he's a big kind of tall bastard, dressed all in black, and his face he's got just the white, you know, black hair, white face. Black eyes, you know, black rings around his eyes. It's creepy. It's creepy just to see him lurking about is creepy. That kind of shit. You know what movie I like? I like. <laughs> I don't. I have no shame in saying this. I like Tales from the Hood. The first Tales from the Hood. I thought that was good. Different little stories. These three guys go to a funeral parlor to get drugs that were in a coffin that this funeral director found. And along the way, he tells them three tales from the hood. And, uh, yeah, David Allen Greer's in it. Corbin Burnson's in it. There's a bunch of guys. It's good. I like it. Uh, it's, it's always been a favorite of mine. <laughs> oh, you'll get the shit all right. You'll be knee-deep in the shit. Shit! The shit, the shit that you found. I found a whole stock of them in the alley. Whoa, 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 whoa. You get it when we get the shit. The shit. <laughs> the shit drugs. You get the drugs, then I get the money. Kill that noise, man. Let's just get the shit. You'll get the shit. You'll be knee deep in the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched I haven't watched that movie probably since about 1996, but now I want to see it. Yeah, the shit. These three these three dudes 
gangsters show up at uh, gangstas show up at the funeral parlor. Funeral director's a crazy old man playing the organ, smoking cigars. Something seems a little bit off about him, and he just he spends a lot of time telling them about these these various tales from the hood, and uh, and then finally he finishes telling the story, and they're like, "Dude, what the fuck? Can we give us the shit?" And that's when he says, "And the drugs." So he he found drugs. That's his that's his story. He found drugs in the alley, and it's their drugs, and they're and they'll you know or he whatever he's gonna give them money. They're, he's gonna give them drugs. They're gonna give them the money for the drugs, and then be on their way. And of course, he tells them three tales, and then uh, well. Things aren't quite what they seem, as it turns out in the end. And it's very funny. And it's, I just love that movie. Love that movie. Tales from the Hood. Uh, I'm done talking about movies. Those are great. Good horror movies. I, I highly recommend The Lighthouse and The Witch and Midsummer, and, uh, and what's the other one I said? Hereditary. Marianne on Netflix I thought was good. It was creepy. Uh, whatever. All that stuff. All that, all that shit. Um, I don't recommend it. Chapter two, I can tell you that much. And uh, yeah, the ring is is really a it's a big uh, it's a big stinker. It's not a bad movie. It's still like as a movie, it's like oh, this is it's well it's well done. It's just uh, yeah, boy, it doesn't doesn't quite hold up. Like a lot of things, it just doesn't hold up. Same thing with those paranormal movies. That's that's a one and done scenario. The the worst. The biggest mistake I ever made was watching watching those movies more than once. Just leave it as it is. And, of course, the colossal disappointment that was the Blair Witch Project. All right. Let's come back with more stuff. Maybe some more Halloween-type things. I don't even know. I have no plans. As usual, I'm just winging this fucking thing. So we'll come back and see what happens. I don't know that this song is really very Halloween-ish. But it's it's haunting, in a way. It makes me think of fall. More relaxing than anything. Agnes Obel. Saw her in concert last year. Loved it. Loved it. I love her. I love her songs. Uh, I thought maybe... We haven't checked in on OJ in a while. I'm not going to play any of OJ's Twitter. I was just looking at OJ's Twitter. It's it's nothing but fantasy football. Which makes sense for a guy whose life is pure fantasy. And he's living in a world of delusion and fantasy that all he would talk about is fantasy football. But he's just enjoying life. He's out on the golf course. Uh... Yeah, he's watching football in that same bar every week with his pals. Like, who the fuck are these pals? I would that's who I would love to talk to. Is these friends of OJ. What the fuck is wrong with you? But he's sitting in the bar every week, having his nice little cocktail. In one of the Twitter videos he's talking about the football games. He's got something it looks like a Bloody Mary, but it's not. There's it doesn't have like the celery stalk sticking out of it. It's a, it's like a lime. So who knows what it is? It's honestly, it looks like it's probably like, it's blood. It's just a tall glass of blood from 
just any number of victims. Who knows? He got away with the first one, so I'm sure who knows how many other ones he's got. We're, we're so busy focusing on the one, focusing on the ones from 25 years ago. He's probably been out there slashing people up every day since uh, since since getting out of prison for not the murder. Anyway, uh, his Twitter videos are just terrible. There's nothing interesting. It's just football football talk. And who wants to hear anybody talk about football, even for five minutes at the beginning of a Halloween-themed podcast? <laughs> so I thought we would, uh, I thought we would just check in with OJ and see if he had any scary tales to tell us, exclusively here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Let's find out. Oh, hello, Twitter world! It's yours truly here. Your old friend OJ, and I've got a spooky tale to tell you this time. No, this isn't a tale of fantasy football. This isn't a tale of me hanging out on the golf course with all my friends. Even though you don't see those friends on screen, I assure you, they are there and I have many, many friends. No, this is a tale more scary than any kind of ghosts or ghouls or goblins or double homicides. You see, this story is about a monster. And that monster is the American mainstream media and the court of public opinion. You see, once upon a time in a neighborhood called Brentwood, there lived a young lady and her friend. And they were horribly, horribly murdered by being stabbed repeatedly with a knife. Now, did she deserve to be murdered because of all the times she was cheating on her husband? Well, I wouldn't say that. Sure, I might think it, and it might be true, but I would never say that. I mean, what am I, an idiot? (laughs) Anyway, Twitter world, even though... She was stabbed brutally with a knife and so was her friend, a waiter at a restaurant. That's not the scary part of this story. No, no, no. The scary part is what happened next. You see, even though this young lady and her friend were brutally butchered with a knife back in 1994, the real killer's still out there. But that's still not the scariest part of the story. (laughs) No, the scariest part of the story is the fact that despite a brutal murder and a wife who was unfaithful to her husband, despite all of those horrible things, the real scary monster isn't the horrible murderer. It's not the cheating wife. No, the monster is the American media and its portrayal of beloved football hero and movie star from those hilarious Naked Gun movies, O.J. Simpson, Orenthal J. Simpson. You see, O.J. was a football hero, played for the Buffalo Bills, was in all kinds of funny movies, those Naked Gun movies. Everybody loved O.J. He was the life of the party, and he loved to party. But then, one day, O.J.'s wife and her friend were murdered. And even though O.J. had nothing to do with it, despite the fact that there was 
endless evidence, testimony, and DNA linking him to the crime, he was acquitted because the glove didn't fit him. The glove that was found at the scene of the crime was too small for OJ's hand. And to me, that's enough evidence to bang the gavel and say, Case closed, OJ. You're free to go, and you can go back to being a beloved American hero of movies and football. Except the only problem was, nobody liked old OJ after this. You see, people made fun of him in the media, in comedy, late night TV shows. The American public turned on OJ Simpson for no good reason whatsoever, just because somebody who's definitely not OJ killed OJ's wife and her friend. Just because all that happened, they thought OJ did it. Just because her bloodstains were on OJ's shoes, they thought OJ did it. Just because OJ's fingerprints were at the scene of the crime, they thought OJ did it. Just because OJ's DNA was at the crime, they thought OJ did it. Just because OJ hid in the back of his friend's Bronco in a low-speed police chase for miles and miles, they thought OJ did it. Because why would somebody run from something and hide in the back of a Bronco if they're innocent? Well, I can tell you why. Because I was innocent and I felt like hiding in the back of the Bronco for no good reason at all. Case closed. End of story. Just like I thought the case was closed back in 1995. That was, of course, until the first time I went out to an Olive Garden or a Chili's after the trial ended. Nobody wanted OJ eating at their restaurants anymore. Nobody wanted to invite OJ to their cocktail parties. Nobody wanted to go golfing with OJ anymore. Nobody wanted to hang with the juice. I couldn't understand it. In fact, even Michael Jackson didn't want anything to do with OJ. And together we had our camp, camp good times back in the 80s when we'd go out to Neverland and the kids would play on the trains and they'd have candy and they'd go on the rides and watch movies with Michael Jackson all night long and nothing bad was happening there. Even though we, we came up with that camp together, Camp Good Times, Michael Jackson, he still wanted nothing to do with OJ. It was a horrible, sad, depressing time for the juice. But now here we are, 25 years later, and OJ made his triumphant return into society, going on Twitter, posting Happy Father's Day videos, playing golf, making my fantasy football picks, talking about the political debates and who you should vote for because my opinion does count. It does matter because I'm OJ. And not only does my opinion count, but my vote counts too. Pretty scary, huh? Anyway, OJ spent the last 25 years being vilified just because some random stranger happened to walk by and murder his wife and her friend outside of OJ's house. And again, just because there was blood on OJ's clothes and his gloves and his shoes and the back of his car and all this other stuff and all this DNA evidence and all kinds of motives and testimony, just because everything linked me, OJ Simpson, to the scene of the crime doesn't mean I did it because I didn't do it. And if I did do it, it would have been a smart thing to do anyways because she was a jerk. I mean, uh, the murderer was a jerk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm trying to say. The murderer 
was a jerk. And listen, jerk murderer, I know you're out there. It's Halloween. I'm going to come get you. I'm going to find you. I got some getting even to do. But more importantly, I got some getting even to do with a whole lot of people who haven't been too nice to old OJ on Twitter. The people who haven't been too nice to OJ over the last 25 years on television and late night talk shows and out in public and at restaurants and at social gatherings and pretty much everywhere OJ goes. He's treated like a horrible murderer, even though the horrible murderer is still out there lurking around some golf course in Las Vegas or Palm Springs, which is why OJ spends so much time on the golf course in Las Vegas and Palm Springs. I'm going to catch that murderer, even if it takes me to the end of my life in every golf course on the planet. I'm going to play every course there is until I find you. You jerk, you jerk murderer, I'm coming for you. And that's going to be scarier than anything else once I get my hands on that murderer. So anyways, friends, I hope this was a special Halloween lesson to you. If you're going to murder somebody, don't be O.J. Simpson, because then they're going to treat you like garbage. I mean, don't let somebody else murder your wife and her friend if you are O.J. Simpson, because they'll treat you like garbage for not murdering somebody. <laughs> I mean, that's what I meant to say, right? That's what I said. That's what I meant. Yeah, that's it. Well, anyways, Twitter world, this is yours truly saying happy Halloween. And don't you fuck with me. Because I can turn real quick and real bad. <laughs> happy Halloween, everybody. I'm just saying. And now a message from the ghost of Michael Jackson. Yes, hi, this is Michael Jackson from Beyond the Grave. And I just wanted to say, I think O.J. Simpson's ignorant. I didn't like what he had to say about me in that last segment. I never turned my back on O.J. I had problems of my own. We should have been friends, O.J. and me. Because the media turned their backs on me too. They were ignorant. Everybody was ignorant. I didn't do anything wrong. I just never had a childhood when I was a kid. I was so busy touring with the Jackson 5 and in the recording studio. I never got to have a childhood. I never got to hang out with other children. So when I was older, I built a theme park with rides and candy and movies and toys and games and bubbles to chip. And it was a magical place where I got to have the childhood that I never had when I was growing up. You know, doing kid things. Inviting kids from concerts, from the audience, to come over and be my friend. And have slumber parties and watch movies. You know, kid things. Riding amusement park rides, roller coasters, eating candy and ice cream. Staying up all night, playing video games, watching movies, having anal sex. Giving each other blowjobs. Sleeping in bed naked together. You know, things that kids do. Things to do at childhood that I never got to do. You know, like blowjobs and anal sex and walking around the house naked with other children. You know, kid things. I never got to do those things. 
Because I didn't have a childhood of my own. I'm like Peter Pan. Except with a lot more anal sex. And it's not fair how I was portrayed by the media. So even though I don't like murder, even worse than that is I don't like the way O.J. Simpson was treated by the media. Because it was just as bad as how I was treated. And isn't mistreatment by the media really the greatest crime of all? I sure think so. Anyway, happy Halloween, everyone. Hee <laughs> hee And now for Fritz Weatherby's Spooky New Hampshire. With me, your host, Fritz Weatherby. This is a story about the great zombie outbreak of Knob, New Hampshire back in 1987. So sit back and enjoy. It was October 31st, 1987. The night of the annual Knob, New Hampshire pumpkin lighting. Where all the town folk from Knob, New Hampshire would gather in the town common and light all the jack-o'-lanterns for the children to enjoy before they would go out on their trick-or-treating. Well, this particular night, Flippy Fartmouth and Arnold P. Quackers were joined by Fauntleroy Fuckleberry at the Wankawina Tugumeet for a nice supper of chip beef stew and their famous egg salad pie. Thought they'd fill their bellies before going off to the jack-o'-lantern lighting. As Flippy, Fauntleroy, and Arnold finished their meals, Fauntleroy decided to order an iced tea for the road. Everyone looked on in horror. You see, no one ever ordered an iced tea from the Wankawina Tugumeet. For the iced tea machine, iced tea maker, hadn't been clean in some 15 years. It was filled with what some said were chunks of human flesh. From the time that a waiter tried cleaning the machine and got a part of his finger lodged into the, into the gears and lost that finger. It had never been touched, nor had it been cleaned since. But Fauntleroy, feeling a bit parched, decided to order an iced tea anyway. For you see, even though they hadn't cleaned the iced tea machine, they still filled it with tea every day. Fauntleroy took a big gulp of his iced tea, paid his check, and was on his way. See you at the Jacqueline and Lightning, boys, said Fauntleroy to Arnold P. Quackers and Flippy Fartmouth as Fauntleroy exited the restaurant. Arnold and Flippy finished their supper and paid for it and got on their way. As Arnold and Flippy exited, they saw... Fauntleroy get into his car and speed off down the road. 
presumably towards the town common for the pumpkin lighting. Arnold and Flippy Fartmouth decided it was such a nice crisp autumn night that they'd walk to the common. And so they did. Normally, this would be about a two-minute drive, but a thirty-minute walk. What with all the hills and winding roads and that sort of thing that existed in Knob, New Hampshire. So, Flippy Fartmouth and Arnold P. Quackers had a nice long walk on a cool Halloween night through the woods and the trees and leaves of Knob, New Hampshire. As the moonlight spilled through the trees onto the earth below, Flippy Fartmouth would remark to Arnold P. Quackers such things as, Hey Arnold, when I see your wife, I'm going to show her what a real man's like. To which Arnold would reply, Well, I showed your wife what a man was like just last night. Looks like you've got some catching up to do. Things of that nature. And eventually, Flippy and Arnold made it to the town common of Knob, New Hampshire, where the town folk were gathered for the pumpkin lighting. However, something was different this time. Where are all the town folk? Flippy Fartmouth asked. Beats the fucking shit out of me, Arnold P. Quackers replied. You see, there were the pumpkins. There were the candles to light the pumpkins, and in fact some of the pumpkins had already been lit. There wasn't a single townsperson around. Well, it's after sundown. Where are all the town folk of Knob, New Hampshire? Flippy Fartmouth asked, beginning to worry. Suddenly, Flippy and Arnold Quackers heard a rustling from the brush just a few feet away. They both turned and looked in horror. There was Fauntleroy Fuckleberry, who they had just seen not more than thirty minutes prior, at dinner, emerging from the bush with no pants on, his wiener just hanging there swinging in the wind. What the hell are you doing, Fauntleroy, you fucking idiot? said Arnold. Figured you'd get here early and rub one out in the shrubs? said Flippy. Fauntleroy didn't respond. Well, he responded, but it was more of a, a strange moaning and groaning sound. Oh, what, do you still got some business to take care of? said Arnold. All this moaning and groaning, I'm guessing the pound pound's still open for business. At that moment, Fauntleroy Fuckleberry raised his arms and charged towards Flippy Fartmouth and Arnold P. Quackers. Jesus fucking Christ, Flippy Fartmouth exclaimed. Fauntleroy Fuckleberry is a fucking zombie. Yeah, but that's not all, yelled Arnold P. Quackers as he pointed to figures emerging from the shadows. I think we've figured out where the rest of the townsfolk of Knob, New Hampshire have gone to. You see, it turns out the owner of the Wankawina tug of meat Wank Womack, had offered free iced tea to all the attendees of the annual jack-o'-lantern lighting. 
So every single resident of Knob, New Hampshire indulged in a nice cool glass of tainted tea. And now they had all turned in to the walking undead. There they were, every single resident of Knob, New Hampshire, but in zombie form. Why, you had zombie Mavis Felchmonger, zombie Tootie Fuckajaval, zombie Stinky Ratfuck, zombie Pussy Lips Langston, zombie Fern Piss Stains, zombie Franklin Clitoris, zombie Anus Von Schweetz, zombie Tits Lazenby, zombie Ralph Scrotum, zombie Winthrop Vaginal Belch, Zombie Mitzi Beef Curtains, Zombie Melvin Rangus, Zombie Quincy Ash Juice, Zombie Phyllis Gunt and her sister, the Zombie Beatrice Gunt, Zombie Numpty Rutherford, Zombie Taint Stevenson, Zombie Smutty Shitbrains, Zombie Queef Urkel, Zombie Belch Urkel, her cousin, Zombie Scrotums McDougal, Zombie Mudbutt Thompson, and of course, Zombie Bosoms Del Gringo, Zombie Martin Van Uren, Zombie Stenchy Sanderson, Zombie Welsh Dingleberry, even the Zombie Orson Skidmarks was there, as well as Zombie Nelson Chowder Jr., Zombie Nipples Rubenstein, and finally, Zombie Cherry Beverage. She was there too. The entire town of Knob, New Hampshire, having consumed the tainted tea, had all turned into zombies. What the fuck are we supposed to do, Flippy yelled. Arnold hesitated for a second and said, wait a minute, I've got it. I'll take out this Book of the Dead from my pocket. There's got to be some kind of spell or counter-curse in there to turn the town folk back into the human beings they once were. Pay no mind to the structural integrity of this narrative, and let's just be thankful that I had a Book of the Dead in my pocket, Arnold remarked. Well, said Flippy, don't stand there like a three-tittied granite state gobbler. Read one of those incantations so we can get out of here and get on with the pumpkin festival. At that moment, Fauntleroy picked up the Book of the Dead, but he stumbled on a rock, got his pants caught in one of the roots sticking up out of the ground, and he tripped. The Book of the Dead went flying into a pile of zombies, and just at that moment, Arnold P. Quackers fell face first on top of a pantsless Fauntleroy Fuckleberry, his mouth landing on Fauntleroy's wiener. As the horde of zombies surrounded Flippy and Arnold, Flippy could do nothing else but remark, Well, Arnold, looks like you just had your zombie cock and ate it too. Oh, yes. What fun. All right.
That's it. It's pretty good. All all bits that I pulled out of my ass at the last minute because I had zero plan for today, except to somehow talk about Halloween in some way, shape, or form. So hopefully, hopefully there was something in there that was remotely enjoyable. I shouldn't say pull it on my out of my ass. I mean, I knew it. I knew. Hey, I'm gonna do something with OJ. Let's do something. Throwing some Michael Jackson here and there. You know, real topical stuff. And, uh, you know, I had to do a Fritz. <clears throat> Jesus. So, yeah, that's it. Oh, man. Halloween. It's the greatest. It's the greatest time of year. It really is. The leaves changing. Free candy. Scary shit. Crisp air. Football. Yeah, you know what you had uh, this past weekend. What well, on Sunday on the t- whatever whatever that was twenty seventh October twenty seventh. It happens at most once a year, and sometimes it doesn't even happen once a year, depending on the schedules of things. Uh, but we had this past Sunday the sports equinox, which means you had professional. Baseball, the World Series. You had NFL football games, of course, because it's Sunday. You had the NBA. The regular season now starts like a week or two earlier than it used to start, like right around the 30th of October, the very last couple days of October or the first couple days of November. So it was that made it almost impossible. That, that, that made it basically like once every like five or six years you would get a sports equinox where you have NBA, NHL, MLB, and NFL on the same day. And, uh, with the NBA starting its regular season earlier, you had all four sports on Sunday being played at the same time. And it's so exciting because that just doesn't happen because the way that the seasons are, you know, sure, you're always going to have lots of basketball and hockey at the same time. And you'll have in the spring ba- baseball and basketball and hockey at the same time. But uh, to have the NFL and to have all four of them at the same time, it doesn't happen very often. And I'm not counting preseason. Okay, early to mid-October, you do have days where you have all, all four of those pretty regularly. But on uh, this past Sunday was the only day where you had regular season NFL, NBA, and NHL, as well as postseason baseball playoff action. So that's exciting. This truly is the best time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. But there's a lot I didn't get to today. I got a oh man, I got a great email from Nate S last night. Uh, that's gonna be I'll, I'll have that on next next week's podcast. That's a whole topic. Got to talk about BDL. There's some fun stories to be had there. I think Nate Nate has a good Nate has a really good email. Uh, I think I had a nice text from Dumas last week that I will read on next week's podcast as well. Uh, what else? I don't know. There's 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 many topics. There's awkwardness uh, standing in the foyer of uh, my daughter's friend's house trying to make small talk and just being so uh, abysmally bad at it. I can't do small talk. I just you know beyond hey how are you great thanks how are you great that's it I'm done. Once that's over, if something doesn't like swoop in and save me from small talk, we're it's. It's going to get real awkward real fast. And uh, and it did. And I'll, I'll tell you all about that next time. Uh, 
But in the meantime, I wanted to keep this as, as much, with the exception of the NFL, <laughs> which everybody's really excited about hearing my NFL talk. <laughs> I had to fit that in, the non-Halloween topic. Uh, but everything else, I wanted to keep it in the in the spirit of the season of Halloween. I just, by the way, I love that it's like the leaves are still pretty. Uh, I don't know if it's it's a little bit past peak, but there's still tons of leaves on the trees. I don't remember that being the case on Halloween when I was a youngster growing up in New York. I feel like the leaves were down by the time we got to October 31st. Like maybe a couple little trees here and there. But I just, I feel like uh, Columbus Day was when they all kind of peaked. And then, you know, for the next week, they were pretty nice, week and a half or so. And then uh, probably about, like, the 25th or so of October, they were, that was it, time to rake. So I like this whole, uh, you know, the Boston area, southern New Hampshire. There's still, there's still a lot of pretty foliage to be seen. And there's also a lot of wind and rain coming, so uh, that pretty foliage is likely to be gone very soon. But I'm going to enjoy it while it's still here, because it's just so pretty. Uh, yeah, trick-or-treating. Speaking of the weather, trick-or-treating. Postponed. It's not happening on Halloween night. It's happening on Saturday night. Uh, which is fun, because, like, you know, why why stay home and watch some college football and, and relax when you can go out trick-or-treating on a day that's not October 31st. But I get it. There's going to be a few drops of rain. <laughs> Can't have that. Uh, however, the good news is... Not everybody's canceling or postponing trick-or-treating, so the plan, as of right now, is to take the kiddos into Boston, do a little, just like our first Halloween here, we're going to do a little trick-or-treating, hopefully in Beacon Hill, if the weather does kind of sort of hold out. Even if it doesn't, fuck it, we're going to go. It's going to be like, it's going to be raining, but it's, it's going to be like 70 degrees, so we're going to go do that, and then we're going to go trick-or-treating on Saturday, so we're going to we're gonna double dip for the first time ever. I'm excited. Lots of candy. Because Lord knows that's what I need is candy in the house. Uh, but that should be fun. Uh, what are your what are your Halloween plans? Anything good? Feel free to email birthdayboypodcast at gmail.com and let me know of your Halloween plans. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that information, but I'm just curious. I like to know. If we're friends, if I don't know you, Feel free to email birthdayboypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know of your Halloween plans. Why the fuck not? I let you know mine. Let me know yours. So yeah, hopefully we'll get a ton of candy in Beacon Hill. Hopefully we get a ton of candy in the neighborhoods here locally. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Busy couple of days coming up. Harvest dance at the school on Friday. And somehow I'm I'm working at the craft station because that's I'm, I'm not sure if anybody knows this or not, but nobody screams put me in the craft station like Johnny Boy. I mean that's you know uh, so artistic, and I'm really good with uh, with crafts and, and you know, woodworking crafts and craftsmanship. So I definitely belong helping children uh, make crafts at a at a school. Uh, function where there's a craft station. It's really going to. I'm going to fit nicely, fit in nicely with that crowd, and uh, provide a lot of a lot of help, and really be a, an asset to that whole thing, to that whole event. So that's what's going on. Birthday party. The oldest, 
the 10 year old officially has her birthday party this weekend got the trick-or-treating double dip got the harvest dance sunday i don't think anything is scheduled for sunday so that's nice we'll relax we'll watch we'll watch football that way i can tell you all about my football picks next week when we come back on next, next week's episode 27 of the birthday boy podcast uh, but that's it i'm done i've had enough uh you know happy halloween i guess watch out for those razor blades and the candy because that's definitely a thing that happens a lot as we all know since uh, you know from our childhood Growing up from the 80s until now, just, just endless candies filled with razor blades. In fact, some houses, just they just cut out the middleman and they just give out the razor blade. And just say, here, kid, eat this. Eat this razor blade. Yum, yum. All right. I'm out of here. Have a great week. Have a great Halloween. Happy Halloween. Enjoy. Be safe. Be happy. Be festive. Or, or do none of those things. I don't give a shit. I'm excited. It's a magical time of year, and I intend to enjoy it. I've got my costume. This gives me a chance to maybe... I said I had two costumes. Maybe this double trick-or-treating thing, I have the opportunity now to wear both of them. Hmm. Hmm. Well, anyway, I'm out of here. Have a great Halloween, everybody. Trick-or-treat, motherfuckers. Later, gators.
Halloween, All Hallows Eve, when we went to one of these spook, fun, tax-tastic house-tacular things with all the scares and the creeps and all the monsters and ghouls and goblins, Cliffy. And I remember there was one particular ghoul dressed up like Elvira. You know, remember Elvira, Cliffy? Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, perhaps you recall that, uh, you know, she was very popular. Well, anyways, Cliffy, you were, you were dressed, you were dressed in as your favorite costume, which was a businessman from 1946, and you had a very nice pair of slacks on, and they were hiked up to just below your nipples, and the bottoms of the slacks came just above your ankles, and you had a nice pair of penny loafers, and a nice shirt tucked in, very crisp, ironed, very sharp. You looked like a very sharp gentleman. And you had all the all this uh, grease and garbage in your hair to make it slicked back like you were right out of the 1940s. And you had a briefcase. And you had actual tax returns that you were going to do in between houses as you walked from house to house trick-or-treating. And you were going to do some taxes and some accounting and all kinds of things that you thought were very exciting and fun. And I remember you were very disappointed because nobody handed out oatmeal at any of the any of the trick-or-treating houses. But then we went to one of these fun house, uh, spook house things, ghosts and goblins and that sort of thing. And you had your nice slacks on and your nice pants and you had the whole, the whole get up the nice suit looking like a very sharp, distinguished businessman from the 1940s. And sure, all the other little children were dressed up as robots and Transformers and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and G.I. Joes and all kinds of, you know, cowboys and Draculars and werewolves and all sorts of ghouls and goblins and monsters and fun things that kids enjoyed doing, you know, dressed as Muppets and Star Wars, Yoda. You know, that kind of thing, but you're not my Cliffy boy, not my little baby butter boy, my little baby business butter boy from the 1940s. You were only about four or five or six years old, and you went as the very distinguished 1940s business gentleman. And I thought, oh, he's just a perfect little butter boy with his little gray slacks up to his nipples and he's so proud of all the tax work that he's doing and he would go to the houses and trick or treat you would you would knock on the doorbell and nobody would have the oatmeal but they'd give you some candy and in exchange you didn't just do the taxes in between the houses you would go into the house and then you would do their taxes for them even though it was October and what kind of an idiot does taxes in October but you you were four years old you didn't know any better you just you loved doing things that you thought were fun, like eating oatmeal, dressing like a 40s businessman, and doing taxes, Cliffy. That was really a perfect storm of little Cliffy bliss. But anyways, back to the fun house, the haunted, spooky fun house that we went to one Halloween, that same Halloween. And you went in, and there was, a, there was uh, all kinds of, yeah, there were Frankensteins and werewolves and goblins and ghouls and Draculars and all kinds of things. And like I said, there was one particular character in this fun house, a young woman dressed like Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. Well, I don't need to remind you, I'm sure. I'm sure this has been implanted in your memory for the last 30-plus years ever since. But she had, uh, let's just say, not unlike your grandmother, a rather uh, ample bosom. A very ample and generous 
a well-proportioned bosom, Cliffy, and uh, that was probably the first time that you took notice of such a thing, because I remember all of a sudden you you got a one good look, and then you leaned over and you went, and then of course we looked down and there was some sort of disgusting accident that you had in your gray slacks, Cliffy. And I said, oh my God, he's only four or five or whatever age you were. And I I was shocked. I was horrified. And quite frankly, Cliffy, I was a little bit impressed too, considering your age. But boy, oh boy, you sure did love Elvira ever since then. And more particularly, Cliff, you you have always been. Uh, let's just uh, let's just be honest here. The, the family has always known for a long time that you are quite the breast man, Cliffy. And it all started from that haunted house with Elvira, mistress of the dark. But boy, you sure did have an accident there at the beginning of that haunted house. Of course, that was just in the first room of the house, and then we had to walk through the rest of the fun house, which was a good, a good thirty minutes or so, going through all the different spooky rooms and things. And so, of course, all the different characters and creatures dressed up in their costumes got to see you with the. Well, let's just say you you didn't have fifty shades of gray, but you had a few different shades of gray on those slacks after getting a good look at Elvira and those humongo knockers of hers, Cliffy. I'm sure you haven't forgotten that. I'm sure you haven't. Anyways, if you had forgotten, I wanted to give you a call and leave you a message to remind you of that uh, fun-filled Halloween. Because I remember that giant sack full of candy wasn't the only load you had that year. If you know what I mean, Cliffy, if you know what I mean. There was a second load in your pants and your slacks is what I'm trying to say, Cliffy. That's what I'm trying to say. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Anyways, Cliff, I'm going to go. I need to I need to spend some time getting dressed in my Halloween costume, which you're not going to believe what I'm dressed up as. I'll give you one guess. She has an ample bosom and her name rhymes with Schmelvira. That's right, Cliffy. Your grandmother's going as Elvira this year. Won't that be exciting? Perhaps I'll stop by and show off my costume to you, of course. That is, if you can keep yourself under control when you get a good look at me in the costume, you sicko. But that's okay, Cliffy. You're my little boy, my baby butter boy. And I love you, and I hope you have a happy Halloween, Cliffy, no matter what happens uh, in your pants. Okay, Cliff, this is your grandma, Cliff, Cliff. Talk to you soon. Happy Halloween. Bye.